Yeah. We're going to play a little music while y'all's giving. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Woo. Some of y'all's like. Hallelujah. All right, son. When I stop, I can feel it. <laughs> Someone's about to get whirly. <laughs> Amen. Tanner just started doing that this morning. I said, hey, what is that? And he said, I don't know. I just made it up. And I said, well, we're going to make it up today. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. And Russ grabs his bass, and all of a sudden, they just start going in. I said, well, that's pretty good. Amen. How many's glad to be in church this morning? <laughs> Praise God. How many was here on the Thursday night service? Was you here Thursday night? Amen. How many got to see it? If you wasn't here, you got to see it. Praise God. It was an amazing time, and the power of God just began to move and in this place. As we just kind of dive off into this, I believe Thursday night God set the bar on this series. And so today we're going to take it higher. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, excuse me, because I may shout. Praise God. Or going to shout. There you go. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. We are, uh, this morning's message, uh, it's, it's underneath the series of, uh, the, oh, King's Kids. <laughs> King's Kids, all you King's Kids, all you radical, rat, loud kids. Amen. Praise God. You are dismissed to your classes. Amen. So this morning as we begin to dive off into the series, The Table of Unity, let me make this uh, again uh, real quick. This table here, uh, man, we have anointed this table. It's going to be up for a while now. There is a presence, I'm telling you. There's a presence when you begin to point something out and you begin to anoint something. And you've heard me talk about the glory of God. And when the glory of God comes in and it sets up on the house, it sits here because of you. Amen. But the anointing is a tangible thing. And you can anoint a lot of things. Amen. And, and, so, and so when you do that, it can hover and, and, and stay, and you can feel that. You can reach out, and you can touch that. And we have anointed this table, amen, and so it's called the Table of Unity, amen, because that's what our series is. And when you come to this table, I believe that, that, that great things are going to happen. And during the week, if you happen to pass by, you see a vehicle here, whatever you want to set at it, if you come early to church, uh, Thursday night or Sunday morning or whatever, and you want to come and spend some time and sit at it, that is totally, completely fine. It's going to be up for a while. Amen. And, and what I'm saying is, is when you sit behind that table, amen, every flaw that you have, everything that other people see sometimes in your life, amen, God said, I'm going to hide it. 
Amen. And uh, here's the thing, uh, because, because a lot of us have some places in our life that just isn't just, we want to try to forget about them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And not only do we want to try to forget about them, but there's been people in our lives that we have hurt over the course of our actions or how we even reacted. Sometimes it wasn't what you did, it was how you reacted to it. And, and, so, and so therefore what happens is, is the enemy says, well, you ain't got the power to minister anymore because look what happened. They ain't going to listen to you. That's when you sit at this table of unity because God said, I will hide everything that's going to hinder you from ministering the word. And that's what the enemy doesn't want. He doesn't want you to get up and talk about God. He doesn't want you to get up and minister. He doesn't want you to be healed. He wants you to stay broken. He wants you to stay calloused. He wants you to stay upset. He wants you to keep hating. He wants you to keep pointing your finger and blaming everybody else for every bad thing that ever happened in your life. Amen. And that's what he gets you at. Because a lot of times what we do is we say, well, you know, I wouldn't be like this if my mama didn't do that. Well, I wouldn't be like this if my daddy was in my life. Well, I wouldn't be like this if somebody hadn't dropped me like that. But because I was dropped at eight years old, because I was dropped at 25 years old, I feel like that I have a right to feel like this. And the enemy pulls on you and pulls on you and keeps you into that position to where that's where you keep thinking. He likes for you to get healthy just enough to get in and get with somebody and everybody thinks you're healthy and then all of a sudden you break down in front of people. Anybody ever break down in front of somebody? I mean, you was doing good for three weeks. You was going to church and you was shouting. The preacher said, clap your hands and you clap the loudest. Praise God. And all of a sudden something happened. Praise God. And it triggered something in your life that had happened years ago. And you broke down. And now they're looking at you and thinking, oh, I thought they was really saved. You know, they come to church for three weeks and everything was all good. Well, look at them. They, came. They, they wasn't saved. And the enemy wants to bring you into that place. And what I'm saying, because this is not my message. This is just uh, trying to get something started. Praise God. But this table will, you can come to this table and I guarantee you God will pull stuff out of you that you should have been praying about. You know, we, we quit praying for our loved ones. We quit praying for our ministry. We quit praying for our calling. We've been so hurt for so long that a lot of times we just go through the motions. <clears throat> we have this thought in mind, well, I just need to get to church. Well, what do you want to go to church for? Well, I just need to get there because you know, I, just, I, I just need more God. And then you get here and everything runs through your mind and the enemy pulls you back and you don't really, really pull on God. Maybe I'm preaching to them. But this table, it's just a table. This bread cost me a dollar. Please don't eat my bread if you come up here. I'm probably going to have to replace it next. Golly. <laughs> Sound like Cuffy's head. Y'all remember when he was head? <laughs> it, uh, just leave my bread there. I'll replace it. <laughs> Might pull your teeth out. Uh. But this table, I'm telling you, 
God told me to put it up. He told me to preach on this series, and I am. So, uh, so it's here. So I want to offer that. Like I said, if you live away from here, you can't get here. You want to come early uh, on Thursdays. You want to come early on Sundays. Uh, we are going to uh, open this up for you. And uh, what we're going to do, and I'm going to ask it all my musicians as well, we do have praise practice in here on Thursdays, and we do have praise practice in here on Sunday mornings. But when the praise practice is over with, what we're going to do, out of respect for anybody that would like to be a part of this, we will move everybody out, amen, and uh, and give you all at least 15 or 20 minutes early. Now, we're not going to do that, the whole service, of maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and give you a time to come in and do that if you can't get here during the week. If you drive by this church and you see see my truck sitting out there or a car out there and you didn't stop here don't blame me when the table's gone <laughs> amen and just listen to what God is saying I want to throw that out there amen if you have your Bibles I want you to turn with me this morning if you would to 2nd Samuel chapter 9 and go ahead and stand to your feet for the reading of the word if you would please 2nd Samuel chapter 9 Now, we're on the story of Mephibosheth. We're going to be coming back to several different places here throughout <clears throat> this series. We will be uh, taking some journeys through the Bible on some Bible stories on, and on some characters. Let me tell you something. Has anybody ever just, just, just really sat down and just, just really read the Bible uh, in, in like Genesis or Exodus or somewhere along in there and, and just really reading it and you're thinking, my God, them people's crazy. I mean, some of the story, I mean, I mean, some of these stories are going to be better than Young and the Restless, man. I mean, I'm telling you what, it's the best soap opera story you'd ever read. And it's real life stuff. And the thing that I like about the word of God is God didn't hide a lot of this stuff from you. I mean, there's times you grow up in home, you know, your mama said, oh, we don't talk like that in here. Your daddy said, hey, hang on just a minute. No, that's conversation for the outside, not in here. And the problem is, is a lot of times we're not talking about some stuff. Amen. And so communication is one of the greatest things. Unity, when you come together in unity, one of the, and, 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 and I will get to a certain spot in this and we'll talk about the enemies of unity. And one of the enemies of unity is poor communication. That's, that's, that's going to be your number one enemy of unity is poor communication. The second most common enemy to unity is gossip. Because if you're talking about somebody, you can't agree with somebody. Come on. And some people say, well, <coughs> you know, did you hear what happened to Tanner? We need to pray for him. And they bring it up like they're going to have it. Well, never mind. I won't get into that. <coughs> Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse number 7. I'm going to read through verse number 10. Are you all ready? So David said to him, he's talking to Mephibosheth, after he had fetched him out of Lodabar, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for, Jonathan's, for Jonathan your father's sake and will restore to you. Look at your neighbor and say, God will restore. God will restore. 
all of the land that Saul and your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all the house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Oh, oh and, and always, always, and Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Father, we ask you that you bless your word right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Somebody got the air on? Can we turn that off, please? It's blowing right on me, and I'm going to get sweating and get cold and get cranky. <clears throat> Hallelujah. At least you got there. At least that reminds you you don't want to go to hell. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> it's hot down there, praise God. You can't just turn the air conditioner on. Hallelujah. As we talk this morning, give me just a little bit of your time this morning. I want to I wanna talk, and, and, and I do want to preach, and, and I do want to teach. Believe me when I say I do want to teach. I really do want to teach. So, so we're going to start out here this morning. We're going to talk about preserving the seed. And the, 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 uh, 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 is there anybody out there that, that, that plants much or sows much or has, has harvest? How many knows that a seed can go bad? You know, most people would think, well, you know, I, this seed can't go bad. But a seed can go bad. And if you're not going to sow a seed at a certain time or maybe you bought too much seed, you want to preserve it, right? Because you don't want to waste it, amen, unless you're just one of those that you just don't care. <laughs> you just throw everything away, praise God. Uh, growing up in, in a house where, where my mom and dad had raised us, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot. Now, I mean, we weren't the, the most poorest people. In, I, I said we was. I'd always tell my mom, we're poor, but... Uh, uh, we 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 had uh, things, but mom and dad would always want to save stuff, you know. And so, I mean, my mom would say, every time you go into a room, you turn the light on and just leave it on, and it stays on all day long. And I'm thinking, man, when I get my own house, I'm gonna turn my lights on anytime I want to. <laughs> and now, 49 years, I find myself walking through my house turning the lights off. And Anna Brown is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God, I got to stay in unity. Amen. <laughs> and it's like you're always thinking about preserving or saving. And sometimes what we really don't understand is God is preserving us. There is, listen to me, there is a reason why you are living today. When you woke up today, there is purpose in your life. 
and sometimes you feel like there's so much stuff has happened to you that you don't even feel like that you're of value. Anybody ever go through that stage in your life or, 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 or maybe been in a place and you don't feel like that you bring anything to the relationship. You don't feel like you bring anything to life. And sometimes it just feels like you're just getting up and you're just going through the motions and you're just working or you're just going to work or you get up and you do the same thing over and over and the kids keep screaming and Mike Burks won't help and praise God and, and, and all of this. <laughs> Courtney said she'd pay me $20 to say that to all y'all. So... <laughs> <laughs> Anybody knows Mike Burks knows he's a great father, amen. But <clears throat> but but things just just begin to happen and and all of a sudden every value, everything that God has put into your life, it seems like that is hinging on certain things. And it's sometimes it's like we want to make bargains with God. Well, God, you do this and I'll do that. Honey, let me tell you something. That ain't gonna happen. Praise God. Because I want to tell you something right now. God already did it. It's like we're trying to get God to do something. And he said, I done did it. But we get so caught up with everything else that we're not able to sit. So we're trying to make deals. We're trying to do all this stuff. And God is preserving the seed. I'm telling you right now, you didn't lose your mind in that divorce because uh, there's something powerful in your life. You didn't lose your mind in that broken relationship uh, or the sixth or seventh or eighth broken relationship. You didn't uh, die in that car wreck. You didn't lose your mind in the drug overdose. Praise God. There's a purpose in your life. I'm telling somebody. God's preserving seed in here this morning. He's preserving seed. And when we look at the story of Mephibosheth, we see how God is, is welding together and uniting two kingdoms. He's uniting the kingdom of Saul and he's reuniting, reuniting the house of David. And God speaks very, very firmly to David, and he says, Saul is mine. I know he's rejected me. I know he's, he, he's done things that he shouldn't have done, but he's mine. You can't have his life. Don't you kill him. I know you want to. I know he's going to be chasing you, and he's going to look like that you're going to lose your life for him, but you remember him. You, you remember this. God's telling David, he said, I love him. And I'll deal with him. You leave him alone. What happens sometimes is is there are certain people in our lives. God is telling us, shut your mouth and leave them alone. But Lord, you don't know what they said about me on Facebook. (laughs) Well, maybe we ought to uh, start a whole new social media and call it Facebook. Amen. And get off the Facebook and get on the faith book. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> and what, what happens is, is, is God is saying, look, I am preserving something that you don't even know about. And there was a whole line there, and God, God is really good. <laughs> listen, listen. He's really good about looking into your future and fixing the problem. And then going all the way back over here and say, follow me. And following God, sometimes Jesus will take you into the uttermost. (laughs) 
Remember that one time when Jesus said, I must need to go through Samaria. Everybody says, don't go through Samaria. Man, them people down there are crazy. I mean, they're, they're, they're drinking Budweiser and they're uh, 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 popping pills and, and they're, they're uh, uh, watching nasty shows and, and, and uh, whatever sinners do. But praise God, they're doing all those things in Samaria. Don't go down there. Stay away from there. Don't go through there. Don't even be a part of Avoid that part. Do not go there. And at the same time, listen to me, at the same time, Jesus said, I must go through. And sometimes when you begin to follow him, he'll take you in places that you're thinking, hang on just a minute. I thought God delivered me out of this. And he said, I did deliver you out of this. I stepped into you and now I've appointed you and anointed you for this. And now step into it and go with me. I need to speak something real, real quick, though. Not everybody has a bar ministry. <laughs> so don't come in here and tell me, well, I went down to 505, preacher, because God wants to. Listen. <laughs> come on now. But there are times when God will move you into place. I had one guy tell me years ago, he said, you know, I go down there at that casino, and he said, you wouldn't believe how many people I've witnessed to. And I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, I'm sitting there, and he said, I'm putting my money in, and I'm talking to people. And I thought, dear God. <laughs> God will have you to go in some of those places. I understand that. And God will have you to, to, to move in those places, but we have to be smart about where God is taking us. But God is preserving seed. And in this story of Mephibosheth, what God is doing is he is doing something behind the scenes that nobody else even knows what's going on. That Because before they ever seen what was going on, David made a covenant with Jonathan. He come together one day with Jonathan, and he told Jonathan, he said, your daddy doesn't like me. Jonathan said, I know, but I don't know why. And then he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jonathan said, well, let me make a covenant with you, and I will make this covenant and make sure that know that I will be on your side all the way through. And so the Bible goes through the picture of the covenant. Amen. And, 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 and real quickly, the Bible says that he removes his belt, and he removes his robe. The Bible said that they changed robes that they change belt. That belt is the strength. That's where all of your weapons are put on. That's where your knife is held, your dagger, your sword. That's where your shield was at. And that was your strength. When you put on everything that you had in your belt, it held up all of your weapons. In other words, what David and Johnson was saying, I'm going to give my strength up and give it to you. And so they began to change and they made a covenant. And so years down the road, this is when they was young men, and years down the road, when Jonathan had a son by Mephibosheth, the Bible said that when him and his father Saul got killed on the battlefield, that the nurse, the nanny, picked up the baby and began to run in haste because she knew that the kingdom was about to be seized. Y'all heard me preach this the other night, and she dropped him, and he fell wrong. And he never recovered. And there were some of you in here that for whatever reason going on in your life, there's some stuff that you have never recovered from. Some of you have been in rehab. Some of you have been in marriage counseling. 
Some of you have come to the altar and cried it out and, and, and asked God to forgive you on several occasions, but there's just some things in your life that every time you get back up and you walk out, you're just not able to recover. And it frustrates you. And you're thinking, what is wrong with me? Why is everybody else living the saved life, the Christian life, the glorious life? How in the world did Mike Burks go from dopehead to, to now serving God? He went from pushing dope to pushing hope. And how did he get there? I don't understand it. And I'm sure he could tell you a whole lot of stories. And I'm sure behind closed doors, there's some stuff that went on in his house. You ain't even got a clue about it. And just because his wife's pretty and his kids are cute and they come to church, on every Sunday and smile doesn't mean that they didn't fight hell all week or fight some stuff. But what it does mean is the seed has been preserved. And we want to examine everybody else's life by what we see at church. Or what we see on Facebook when they filter their pictures. I mean, literally get up and not put a stitch of makeup on it. Don't even comb your hair and just take a picture and then go to an app and just. <laughs> and people's like, dude, Roger's good looking. <laughs> well, you ought to see me in person. Amen. Seriously. And we want to judge somebody by how we see them in church. We want to judge somebody how we see them at the grand finale party. And, and hey, that's okay. I'm not saying that, 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 that not, but what I'm saying is there are some places in their life that it happened that God is preserving seed. But getting up to that place, who would have ever thought that Mephibosheth would be dropped and fall wrong and then wind up in Lodabar in the ghetto with no communication, hiding for the rest of his life, thinking, sure enough, somebody's going to come for me and they're going to find out that I am the seed of Saul and now they're trying to remove the house of Saul but God said hang on I never wanted to remove the house of Saul I wanted to join the house of Saul <coughs> and there's some places and there's some stuff that went wrong and so God's preserving the seed David remembers the covenant that he made with Jonathan he says, is everybody the house of Saul? Ziba goes and gets him out of Lodabar. He brings him back in the scripture I read you. He brings him to David. Mephibosheth now has been hiding. He, he is a grown man. He's probably 30, 40 years old at this time. He's a grown man. But ever since he was five years old, he's been crippled. He has lived longer with what has went on with his life than he did before it happened. Some of you has outlived your own hurts and your own pains. Some of you are thinking, well, surely this is going to be over with. Surely this pain is going to leave. 
Surely I'll get to a place, uh, preacher, where I can come up out of this and be completely different. Uh, I don't understand. Uh, I come to church and I pray. Uh, I don't understand. I give the Lord my tithe. Uh, I don't understand. He's called me to preach. Uh, and I preach, but I'm still struggling. Uh, and I'm struggling silently. Uh, and I can't dare tell nobody what's going through uh, because I've already preached. They'll think I'm a hypocrite uh, or I'm a liar. Uh, I can't get past it. Uh, and I don't know, preacher. I go to that church, uh, but I don't trust them church people uh, because I know the way they look at me. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, you got to get your mind off what everybody else is looking at uh, and what everybody else is seeing. Uh, and you got to understand uh, that God's preserving a uh, seed uh, inside of you. Uh, stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap. <clears throat> look at your neighbor. Just, just, just look at him and say, he's going to talk to you some more. Sit down. So, in this story right here, not only is God preserving seed and finding the seed, he goes and gets the seed. The King James word uses the word fetch, go fetching. That's what my grandpa used to say. Boy, won't you go fetch me a switch? I said, no. <laughs> it's, 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 he goes and gets him. And in order for him to come to the king, listen to this. He cannot come on his own accord. He has to be carried. Listen to me. Some of you have tried to do it yourself. Some of you in all your pain and all the critical places you've been in your life, you tried to do it yourself. And you're not allowing God to be God. Zeba comes and picks him up and literally carries him to David. And when he gets there, he immediately falls down. It's like, did nobody tell him why you're coming? Did nobody tell him, hey, the king sent me to get you because he was thinking about, you know, all of this stuff? Whatever's going on, Mephibosheth is intimidated and scared. He's standing before the king, and the king says, you're going to eat at my table, and he falls down, and this is what he says, what is it for me like a dead dog to be in your presence. And let me tell somebody, let me stop dry here just for a minute. I got 19 other scriptures I got to get to, but let me, while the Holy Ghost is here, let me tell somebody something. That when you come before the presence of God, don't let the enemy keep you intimidated and falling down and saying, I'm not worthy to worship you. The devil is a lie. Right. <laughs> the devil is a lie. Last Thursday night, whether you've seen the clip or not, there was a young lady sitting right there, and I guarantee you she had every right to fall down and say, I can't worship God. But she turned it up even higher and louder. Praise God. And I got my first hug right in the middle of the service while I'm standing up here so nobody can hug me. Praise God. But I got my hug, right in the, my first hug right in the middle of a sermon. And I need to tell you something. Tanner told me this this morning. He said, you want to remind me of? And I said, what? He said to the little woman that wanted just to touch 
the hem of the garment because the anointing that was on you that night, she just had to grab a hold of it. I need to tell somebody, let God preserve your seed. Let God move you. Step into it and grab a hold of what God wants you to get a hold of. And he falls before him, and he's already feeling unworthy. Everything, he's standing before the king. He hears what the king said he's going to do, but nothing registers in his mind. It goes one ear and out the other. And a lot of times what happens is, is we're always judging our own self by everything that has been done, by everything that has been said. Listen to me. You know yourself better than everybody else, and you know that you thought some stuff that just wasn't Christian. Even when you came to church. <laughs> Don't let nobody get your parking spot. <laughs> or, or no, 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 no. Don't let nobody drink all the coffee. <laughs> Go up to get some coffee and ain't nothing in it. <laughs> See, he's got this whole register in his mind. God is preserving the seed. Because there is something that is coming down all through the Bible. When you read the Bible, even in Genesis, the Bible said that God created Adam. Amen. The Bible said that he took a rib out of Adam and he made uh, Eve. He put them together. He said, now I want you uh, uh, to, to come together. I want you to take dominion. Uh, he said, I want you to multiply. He said, I want you to have seed. Uh, and in your seed, am I going to bless all the earth? And so they come together. They got Cain. Uh, and praise God, they're thanking God for it. They come together, and then now they got Abel. Uh, and they're thanking God for it. Uh, and then Cain gets mad at Abel. Uh, and so he kills Abel. And so Adam and Eve are standing over thinking, you know what? Uh, we, we, we have two potentials of seed. Uh, one of them is gone and now the other seed is not eligible to carry on because of the murder and so God gives them Seth. Listen to me, I'm going somewhere and so God's still preserving seed. I need to tell somebody, if God ever told you he's going to do something in your life don't you let some mess up or some break up or some crack house, come on somebody, or some cracker head or some crazy person tell you that you ain't worthy. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if you was five years old. I don't care if you was in the middle of your second divorce and God spoke to you and you had two more divorces after that. I'm telling you right now, God's bigger than your problem. God's bigger than your mistake. And if God is not planning on doing it, he would have never said it. Amen. So he's preserving the seed. Even then, he's preserving the seed, so he gives them Seth. The enemy didn't expect for Seth to come along. So he gives them Seth. And then you look through the uh, times just a few chapters later, the world goes crazy. Genesis chapter 6, and God says, they're all crazy. I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> Some of y'all's like, <sighs> So he takes an ark, and he's still preserving seed. Amen. Listen, listen. <clears throat> Sometimes we think, God, why don't you just start all over? You know, just forget about Adam. He's an idiot. It'll have been, God is God. He could have just said, that's a good idea. And just wiped it all out. But no. God is so sure of himself or what he's done. See, that's our problem. 
we ain't so sure of God because we don't have no faith in our ability. Here's the thing about it is uh, sometimes we're worshiping our ability to worship God. Stay away from that. Don't you worship your ability to worship God just because you can sing good, just because you can pray good, just because you can uh, preach good. Don't worship that ability. Uh, I'm telling you right now, God don't need your ability. He needs your availability. And when you step to the side and say, Lord, I, I'm going to humble myself today and make myself available for you. So he's preserving seed all the way down through. He's preserving seed. Now you see there, there, there's Abraham. Praise God. He calls Abraham and he says, get out of your country and I want you to serve me. He said, he, he said because through you, I'm going to bring the promised seed. Amen. And it wasn't Isaac. He said, through you, I'm going to bring the promised seed. God is already sitting over here looking at the final picture of what Jesus Christ, the seed, is going to do. Listen to me. There is something so powerful about a seed because inside of a seed, it changes things. A seed changes the course. A seed does some amazing things. You will never look at the Bible and say, Lord, just did this. Everything he's ever going to do is through a seed. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 8. As long as there was seed time harvest. As long as there is heat. As long as there is cold. I'm going to provide it. As long as there was seed and I preach this many times. Time and harvest. In between your seed and your harvest is that little word called time. And all of us just think we ain't got time. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> it's just stupid. I can just hear Becky Hill right now. It's just stupid. <laughs> Because after we sow the seed, come on, come on. comes that thing called time. And if we're not filling our time wisely, oh, the enemy will come in and take that little thing called time and eat our lunch with it. Yes, amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> Abraham moves forward and through Isaac, a hundred years old, God said, I'm going to give you a seed. There's a, there's a, my God, I, I ain't got time to preach all this today. <laughs> Somebody save him. We go through all of this, and God tells him what he's going to do, and a hundred years later, God's good on his promise. God don't break promises. If God said he's going to restore your marriage, I don't care what the idiot done yesterday. You stand in and know that God's going to restore it. If God said he's bringing your children home, I don't care what jailhouse they're in. You stand on it right now. If God said he's going to bring your finances up, I don't care if your bank account is zero. You stand on it right now and know that if God said it, he will do it. <clears throat> he will do it. Yes, A hundred years later, here comes Isaac. You see God preserving seed. 
Then he tells, he tells Isaac, he said, I'm going to bring forth my promise through Jacob. And Isaac says, well, hang on just a minute. Esau is the oldest brother. He gets the blessing. Sometimes when God says something, we just need to shut up. Sometimes when God speaks something, we just need to just be quiet. I don't see why you're going to do that. That ain't never happened like that before. <clears throat> and so now he says, I'm going to bring my blessing. My Listen, God tells him before it ever happens. He said, I'm going to bring my blessing and my lineage, and I'm going to use the house of Jacob. Now, anybody knows uh, that Jacob is the seed eater. That's what his name means. It means seed devourer. It means seed eater. It means conniver. It means con man. It means liar. It means cheat. I mean, I just named some of y'all's past already. Praise God. Hallelujah. All in there. And God said, I'm going to take the reject because if Jesus Christ said he was a stone that was rejected. Come on, somebody. He's coming down through. My God, he's coming down through the seed of broken men and broken women. He come out of heaven, the deity of God, not a sin on his life, but still said, I'm going to come to the broken people that I, ah, that I called in my life. I'm going to come through it, and I'm going to show you how powerful my word really is. <laughs> so Jacob winds up getting the blessing. Esau setting over a man. Esau finally comes together and gives a blessing, blessing over to Jacob. And I'm coming to, to an end of this sermon. Listen. And God looks down. He began to have brothers and sisters. Reuben, Simon, Judah. God says, Judah. Genesis chapter 48, verse 8 and 9, I believe. Then Israel saw Joseph's son and said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near, and he kissed them and embraced them. He's handed down blessings, Amen. moving down and inquiring great things. Fathers, let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. Fathers, mamas, you are very good about incubating and holding and, 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 and putting band-aids on and restoring. But fathers, you give the identity. Come on, preach. Amen. When your wife marries you, she takes on your name. Now it is Mr. and Mrs. Brown. She has now become you. You give the identity. Your children carry on your name. Your children carry. Mamas, you are good. But daddies, let me tell you something. You are the one that carries the zero. That means seed. You have the seed. You 
carry the seed. I need to tell somebody, all you men in this place, God's preserving the seed. And even though he used a woman to bring forth the seed, God said, get out of my business because I'll do what I want to do because the seed of heaven will even move in a woman. And I'll preserve the seed through a woman and I'll preserve the seed through a man. But I do what I say I'm going to do. He says, Judah will be the line that I will bring my priest out of. Y'all got time? Judah goes across the enemy lines and marries a woman who's not a Hebrew. God blesses the sanction in a marriage. He has children. When it comes time for his first son to get married, Judah chooses a woman for him, Tamar, who's not even a Hebrew. See, let me say this real quick. I'm, I ain't going to scream it because I don't want to really upset you. Why don't you start praying about some stuff? Before you just start making decisions, because this is the way we've always done it. Amen. You know, when I growed up in church, you know what the biggest thing at the church, you know what they used to say to me growing up in church? Do, do y'all want to hear this? <laughs> that too, but you know what the biggest thing that I used to hear the preachers say growing up in church? And listen to me, if I would have missed it, if I would have listened to them, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Can y'all handle this? This is what they would say. Well, I tell you what, when you get married, if your wife ain't speaking in tongues, then she ain't a God. That's what them old Pentecostal people you say. I don't know, seriously, li li listen, listen. Just because you heard it in church, if you can't read it in the Bible, honey, you get up and walk out of that church. My beautiful wife was a Baptist. I can tell you she didn't speak in tongues. Matter of fact, when we spoke in tongues, she stood at the back going, And if I would have listened to them old preachers stand up because, because they thought they was religious, or they thought that they sounded good, or, or I'm going to make this is what, this is that, and pray, and they're telling them, well, if they ain't speaking in tongues, then leave them alone. Let me tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you something. You don't listen to what men's tradition is. You listen to what God is doing in your life. Getting back to my story, I'm coming to a close. I'm, I'm, I'm winding this thing down. Listen, Tamar comes in. He's got a marriage arranged. And the Bible said that Onan did evil in the sight of God. So God killed him. Listen, thank God for grace. I'm telling you right now, because some of you should have been killed a long time ago. I'm just going to be honest with you. 
Come on. I mean, I mean, we did some stupid stuff. I mean, I don't even want to talk about what I did when I was 18, 19, and 20, and 20. Uh-uh. Some stupid stuff. And so Judah comes in and tells Tamar, says, you know what? You're into the family now. I'm going to give you my other son, and he's going to come in. He told his other son, he said, I want you to go in and raise seed with Tamar because your brother didn't get to. And I want you to know this is going to be because of him. It's not because of you. You're going to raise seed for him because he is the oldest. Listen to me. The oldest is gone. The oldest is dead. Daddy, I'm here now. What do you mean, the oldest? What about me? He said, this is the way we've always done it, and this is what you're going to do and you're going to raise seed up and you're going to say that it's in the name of him and so he decided that he wasn't going to be a part of that and so the Bible said that he went into Tamar he married Tamar but the Bible said that he wasted his seed on the ground and when he did the Bible said that God got mad and he killed him too <laughs> Woo! man So Judah had another son, Sheila. He really wanted a girl, <laughs> but he's a boy. <laughs> so he called him Sheila. <laughs> boy named Sue. So he says, now you go and you go back to your father's house and you live as a widow and you wait and I'll raise up my other son and he'll come unto you and he'll raise seed, and we'll go on with life. Tamar goes to her father's house. The Bible says the time comes when she realizes that Sheila, <laughs> what a name. The Bible's funny if you really read the Bible. Sheila got grown, and Judah still hadn't given to her. So she went, and the Bible says that she played the harlot in front of the place, the path of the sheep shearers. And so Judah's coming up. And he sees the harlot. And so now he wants to uh, lay with the harlot. And she says, well, what do you give me? He says, I'll give you a goat. She says, well, where's the goat? He said, well, I don't have it right now. She said, huh, I know how, I know how you men are. You want to run your mouth say you're going to do something, and you ain't. <laughs> give me something to promise me you're going to give a goat. He said, what do you want? She said, I'll take your signet ring, and I'll take your staff. Won't you give that, and I'm going to hold that, and then when, 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 when you get back, you send the goat, and I'll give it back. He said, okay, and so he laid with her, and the Bible said when he went home, he got the goat, and he come back, and he said, where's the harlot woman? They said, there ain't been no harlot around here in years. And he's running through the town thinking, oh, my God, they got my signet ring. I mean, they're going to put me on Facebook and put me on the news. They're going to blackmail me. They're going to take all my stuff. My, whoa, 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 what am I going to do? And so he's looking and he can't find. And one day he's sitting at the house and somebody comes up with some good gossip news and they told Judah, they said, you know, you, you know, tomorrow's supposed to be over waiting on your son. Well, uh, somebody seen the other day and she's three months pregnant. Judah said, What? Bring her to me. We're going to stone her today. You got to read the Bible sometime. It's good stuff. So they bring Tamar, knowing what he had done, he's hiding. 
and knowing what God is doing, even in crazy stuff, God's still preserving seed. She stands before him, and he looks at her, and he said, what is this? He said, you disgust me. Now, he didn't say that. I'm just Roger Brown stuff here. You disgust me. You ain't nothing but a harlot. I thought you would have, I was going to give you my son. And she said, your son's grown and you ain't going to give me nothing. You lie. He said, because you're a black widow, you killed two of them already. So we're going to stone you. She said, before you do, whose ring is this? Whose staff is this? Russ's. <laughs> I can't say that now he's married, but used to. We can blame it on Russ. He'd say, blame it on me. Now he don't do that because he's Russ's. <laughs> he says, She's more righteous than me. So he steps out of the way. Pull up Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 3. Pull that up. So he steps out of the way. And Tamar has twins. Perez and Zira. This is a story where actually Zira came first. The Bible says that the woman reached out and took the, the thread and tied it upon his wrist. Y'all remember that? Tied it upon his wrist so they could name the firstborn because he knew that she had two. All of a sudden, his arm goes, dude. And then Perez, the breaker, which the Bible calls him later, comes first. And then Zerah comes with the red uh, thread tied around his arm. And she goes, what just happened? And God says, I got a plan. That even in the mother's womb, even in the mother's womb I've called and Perez is going to be the breaker and because Judah tried to stop the seed that I said that the main seed, Jesus Christ, the tribe of Judah would come through. When he tried to stop it then, God said, I'm going to put my hand in it. And not only am I going to preserve it, but I'm going to blow all your minds. I'm going to use hypocrites, harlots, dope dealers, liars, gossipers, men haters, <laughs> His brother can still smile. He says, Yeah, I'm a, I'm a man. <laughs> Pastor Andy, come to the piano, please. <laughs> he is. 
Do you see, as God begins to prepare a seed, he goes through the places, and when God says something, God says, I don't care what's in your life. It won't stop me. God says, I am a master at taking broken things and making them right. He says, matter of fact, I'm more greater at taking a broken mess and restoring. So he takes down and so Judah, God's preserving seed. Think about it. Think about it just for a minute. All the stuff that you've been through, Just glance. Don't 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 throw nothing at me. It's like I'll knock that devil out with both my shoes. Just think about. I got clean socks on. Think about the stuff that you've been through. Think about the people that said, "I'm done with you." Think about the text and the phone calls. I'm sick and tired of you always saying you're going to do better and you don't. I can't do this anymore. And God still reaches down. He says, I know what they said, but it's not what I said. It's not what I said. I know the stuff that you hurt them with, and I know you did it 19 times. But I got a plan. I'm going to take the brokenness, and I'm going to use it. Matthew chapter 1. Verse number one, the genealogy of Jesus. Listen to this. The book, feels weird coming up here down his shoes. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Listen. And his brothers. Why? Because it's through the whole tribe of Judah that the line of priests would come. Judah beget Perez and Zerah by Tamar. No other place in history will you ever read genealogy in the Bible does it ever talk about women. But in Jesus' genealogy, it brings up four of them, and every one of them was bad women of the Bible. Every one of them was bad women of the Bible. And in here, God takes the time and he shows you that even through some heartache and through some stuff, and even while the devil's trying to kill the seed, God said, I'll speak to an old harlot woman. Listen to me. 
I'm going to say this, but y'all really, 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 really listen to this. Listen, listen. God used a woman who was desperate to role play something she really wasn't to get what she needed. Now, let me just say this, and I'm coming to a close. There were some of you, and even watching by this morning in your house or wherever you're at or maybe later. There's some places in your life that you've done that I come to tell you, it's just role play. God has the real answer. God has the full answer. And God's preserving seed. He's going to use your mess up. He's going to use your hurt for his glory. Every head bowed. No one looking around.